from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. They sent a messenger ahead of them to go on to their friend's home in Bethany to let Mary and Martha and Lazarus know to expect them yet again one more time. This home was one that Jesus and his disciples had frequented, spent many a night resting in their journeys and their ministry. It had become their favorite way station. And it was the home of some dear, dear friends. The messenger knew the way well. It was not his first journey there. And he was happy to be announcing to a place that Jesus and his followers were coming and that for at least a moment, all of them might feel like they were home, just for a moment. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus receive the news and get busy making the house ready. They're excited. (coughs) Passover's coming, not even a full week away. It's a time of... Family to gather, a time of remembrance, a time to reflect on their ancestors' escape from Egypt and the deliverance of God of the people. It's a time when you see friends, you see family, and they're elated to find out that their dear friend and his friends are coming to see them. So they get very busy making the house ready. Martha, of course, is in charge. It is her job to make sure everything is just so for when their guests arrive. She's given Mary quite a long list of to-dos, which Mary happily jumps in to prepare the space for. And Mary can't wait, for Jesus is coming. You know, at this point in her life, when she starts to think about her family members and mentally list her brother and sister, there's an extra brother now in that list. She thinks of big sister Martha, of her brother Lazarus, and now she can't help but think of her brother Jesus. 
and he's coming home. He's coming home. This friend, this brother, this teacher is coming home. She goes about her work, and as we do when we prepare for guests, we start to think about all those times we've shared with those people, right? Our dear friends. I can imagine her setting about her work and trying to remember how they even met Jesus. Like, when was that? When was it that he came to our home the first time? When was it that we were first introduced? I hardly remember. Right? We have friends like that. That if we try really hard, we might remember the first time we met, but they've become so much a part of our lives, it's as if we were born with them. That from day one, they were there. I imagine this for Mary. That she thinks, I, I, don't, I don't even remember. It's just he's always been a part of my life. She goes in and starts to make the table ready. And it's in the same room where they always entertain Jesus and his disciples. She's trying to figure out where the food's going to go. How are we going to fit all that food on this table? Where's everybody going to sit? Is everything in the room that we're going to need while we're entertaining? And she pauses for a moment and she starts to laugh because she remembers the day that she just recklessly threw off her womanly duties and instead indulged in the privilege reserved for the men and stayed in that room with Jesus to hear him deliver his words of wisdom. She sat at his feet among the men. Boy, Martha was mad. (laughs) She was so ill at Mary that day. And Mary laughed because not only was Martha mad as to be expected, But when Martha realized what was happening, she came in and scolded Mary, but she scolded Jesus even more. That just made everybody laugh. Shocked that Martha would be so bold to fuss at the the teacher in front of everyone and say, how can you let my sister just sit here while I do all the work? Mary laughs a little harder when she remembers that Jesus fussed right back at Martha and said, that Mary was exactly where she was supposed to be. Mary loves that story. (laughs) She goes out into the garden to collect some herbs to have with the dinner, and she looks up and sees Lazarus sort of preparing where they're going to, how they're going to receive the guest into the courtyard, and she watches him working, and she stops for a minute, just amazed that he's there just in awe that her brother is working. She realizes tonight he'll be at the table with Jesus and the disciples and remembers the deep heartbreak of the moment he died. She remembers the deepest of sorrows at realizing her brother that his soul was no longer in his body. She remembers going and getting the alabaster jar of nard to prepare his body for burial, wrapping it up, laying it in the tomb. She remembers all of this. In real time, it's not a premonition of things to come, but it actually happened. And yet, because of Jesus, he's right there 
standing in front of her working, making the house ready to receive guests. Amazing. She starts to cry at being overwhelmed by that. Just, were it not for Jesus, I'd be going to my brother's tomb instead of watching him make ready for Jesus' own arrival. Wow. The guests arrive, and as guests arrive, we do the things we do. Mary and Martha and Lazarus shake hands, give hugs, laugh, smile. The disciples are delighted to be here. Jesus, there's a little something different about him. There's a little bit of the bittersweet in his personality today. But he's still giving hugs and telling them how happy he is to be there. And they shuffle into the room and, and visit and sit down and get ready to have the meal. Martha gets to work. Uh, directing the servants who have washed the feet of the disciples before they come in. They now are ready to help put the food out and get ready. And, man, the meal is about to start. And Mary has her list of things to do. And just like that day when Martha was so angry, Mary says she is done with the to-do list. That's not what she's going to do today. She's done as much of that list as she's going to. Because she realizes there's something else she has to do. There's something else she has to do. She runs to the storeroom and finds that alabaster jar that she knows so well. She and her sister have used it to prepare the bodies for burial. And, and, and she loves that jar. It's white and it's gorgeous. And when you take the, lift off, the lid off, it sings a little bit. And when you look inside, Mary loves the look of the amber liquid, the amber nard, that oil, perfumed oil. She loves the look of the amber against the inside of the white jar. As a kid, she used to love to go and take the top off and stick her nose in there and smell those spices, right? You know, that smell that was thick and heavy and woodsy and spicy. She runs and she grabs it and she runs back to the room. And as she runs, she knows this is something that has to happen. Later, people will say, she was in such a hurry, she forgot a towel. Well, no, Mary knows she doesn't have a towel. Mary, Mary's all in. She wants every bit of herself to be a part of this experience. She knows what she will do. She doesn't need a towel because she rushes in, and as she does, she sees the faces of the disciples, and she's been with them so much. They've been in her home so much. She knows exactly which ones will stay silent, which ones later will come and thank her, and which one is going to fuss, which one is going to call her a fool. She doesn't care. She does not care because this, this is the most important thing she could do. This is the thing she knows has to be done because this is her last, last chance. With reckless abandon and love, abundant love, she rushes to Jesus' feet and the lid sings as she pulls it off the jar. And with just exorbitance, 
she empties the whole pound and pours it all over his feet. Not a little, not just a smidge, not just a thumb dipped in, but the whole thing. She pours on his legs. And with her hands, she works his feet and his toes, those calloused feet from years of walking in the dry sand with only sandals to protect them. A servant's job. Something a woman of the house wouldn't do. Only the lowly would touch feet. But she's all in. She takes her hair, lets it flow, scandalous, scandalous, lets her hair down. And with her hair, she wipes his feet, pulling the perfumed oil that has, the smell of it has filled the room. And she knows that for days after this moment, she will smell that nard in her hair and will remember this moment. She wipes his feet clean. You see, Mary's been paying attention. Jesus has been talking about his death for quite some time now. He's been warning them of what is to come, not as a conjecture, but as a preparation, but the men refuse to hear it. She's heard them. She's heard them argue with him. Don't say that, Jesus. Man, Peter, she gets tickled at Peter. He argues every time. No, no, that's not really going to happen. How dare you say something like that? But Mary, Mary has been paying attention. And Mary knows. Mary knows. She knows this is her last, last moment. This is her last chance. This is the moment to do something bold, to show the depth of her love and appreciation for this man who has become a teacher, a friend, and a brother. This is the moment to show the depth of that love, and she doesn't care. She doesn't care what people will think. She doesn't care if it's the wrong thing. She doesn't care how she will be judged. What is most important to her in this moment is to show Jesus she understands and she loves him. You know, a Mary, about 33 years before, had the same depth of love and faith before Jesus was ever even born. That Mary sang a song, sang a song that spoke as if Jesus had already lived, died, and been resurrected, and the kingdom of heaven was not coming, but was already here. The deeds were already done before Jesus had breathed his first breath. That Mary sang a song in that moment out of faithfulness and love. And this Mary, in this moment, prepares his body as if he's already died because she knows it's inevitable and necessary and she's not going to miss the last, last moment. She's not going to miss it. 
Man, that's beautiful. That, that's amazing. I'm in awe of that. You know, we struggle so hard because we're afraid of doing the wrong thing. I have asked this question myself, and this question is asked of me. What do I do? What do I do? My friend has lost a loved one. My friend is struggling because their parents have dementia and they need to put them in a community home. My friend is struggling with their children who are having a hard time. My friend is going for cancer treatments. My friend has learned there are no treatments because there's nothing to be done. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And all too often we do nothing because we're so afraid of doing the wrong thing. Mary didn't care. Mary didn't care. She didn't care about it being the wrong thing. All she cared about was showing the depth of her love. Her last, last thing should always be our first thing. There is no perfect answer for what do I do, but there is always the right answer of starting with love. Starting with love. Letting love be the thing that motivates us to reach out and show, even if it means taking a jar of pure nard and washing a man's feet in front of other men who are going to condemn you for the act, but you don't care because you love him so much. We start with love and let that be our guide. It's amazing the difference that we can make in one another's lives when we do nothing but say, I love you. Mary was so afraid. No, Mary was not afraid. We're so afraid. But Mary with an act that mirrored the tremendous abundance of grace and love that God has for us kneels down and cares for Jesus. And she was judged for it. But you know what? Who's the hero of the story 2,000 years later? Who's the one we're looking for as an example? It sure ain't Judas. So my brothers and sisters, may we have faith in our capacity to show our love. That we might run, not walk, headlong into the world, to one another, to one another. Desiring nothing more than to show the depth of our love which indeed is a reflection of that of Christ himself. Amen.